0: Hello, and welcome to the locally grown podcast. I'm your host, Jim Feeney. It's been a month since my last podcast where we spoke with Florida Congressman Bill Posey, but I've had a lot of family stuff to deal with, which I'm going to get to later. I wanted to get this out by Memorial Day because it's such a powerful transitional holiday, and I feel like I'm definitely in a transitional point in my life. Now Memorial Day is special for many reasons. In the Northern Hemisphere, it signals the change of season from spring to summer. Where I grew up in Massachusetts, this meant the end of school, the beginning of summer and a part-time job, summer baseball, and hanging out at Hampton Beach. I appreciated growing up with four distinct seasons. Four seasons that are aligned with how observable earthly nature works. Seasons that actually had snow on the ground. Agrarian societies, even to this day, order their lives around these changing seasons. High-tech, service-oriented societies like the United States, unfortunately, not so much. Memorial Day also signals the end of the school year for most colleges and most Southern US high schools. It's a time to congratulate millions of young adults who are moving on to the next season of their lives. For those high school graduates, There's so much promise. Expectations are high. The thought of moving out of their childhood home and the scrutiny of their parents is both exciting and scary at the same time. For most kids, this means going from a smaller pond to a much larger, more diverse ocean. It means finding roommates that they hope they're compatible with, choosing classes, making new friends, choosing a major course of study. I am so grateful to have been able to celebrate this rite of passage last week with my daughter, Emma, who's headed to the University of Michigan this fall. Some students know exactly what they want to do for their careers, and they hop right into things like pre-med, pre-law, or science, technology, engineering, and math studies. I think most people entering college have no idea of what they want to do, kind of like me. They think they know what they they want, only to find in a year or two that neither the course of study nor the school were a good fit. C'est la vie. Besides, so much research shows that determination, discipline, and grit are far more important than your college alma mater in predicting life outcomes. College has unfortunately become somewhat of an extremely expensive reputation-building exercise rather than a character-building exercise. In the words of Ralph Fiennes' character, Harry Oxford, who was advising his son in the first Kingsman movie, reputation is what people think of you. Character is what you are. The official Memorial Day holiday was created to remember veterans who gave their lives for their country in the United States. My uncle, quartermaster Mario Feeney, who died in the 1945 Battle of Tokyo, was among. 1,345,664 other American soldiers who died in battle over our history. For our family, we also remember my wife, Katie's brother, Satellite Beach police officer, Philip Jeffrey Flagg, who died in the line of duty in 1992 at the tender age of 23. He was the brother-in-law I sadly never knew, who surely would have been a great father, husband, and uncle. From now on, I will also remember my mother who passed away a couple of weeks shy of Memorial Day this year. Those who knew her understood she was a simple woman dedicated to her faith and family who always thought of herself, others before herself. There's no doubt that raising six kids focuses you pretty intensely and mom always rose to that challenge. Whether it was carting kids to baseball and football Or band practice and ballet, Jane was always on duty. And not just for her children. There always seemed to be a combination of kids from the neighborhood. The Fitzgeralds, the Eads, the Wares, the Cody, and the Feeney cousins. We all filled that Chrysler Town & Country station wagon, the biggest one made by any car company at that time. I remember Jane laughing when I suggested that we get a Partridge family bus just like the one Shirley Jones drove for her five kids in the 1970s sitcom. seems like everyone had big families back then. It really did take a village to raise children. Those moms and dads were often the first generation of their immigrant parents, like the Feeney side of our family, where my father was the youngest of 11. Child rearing was a group effort, with mama teaching the older kids who helped take care of their younger siblings. So it was with our family, where the older ones, looked out for the younger ones. My sister, Kathy took on that role with our younger sisters and meals were all, always some combination of kids or friends and family from the neighborhood. And I remember the other moms returning that same favor when Jane needed it. Yes, it took a village and Jane was part of that village. She was born in Lemister, Massachusetts on June 12, 1937 to Lester Cody and Catherine Sullivan. She tragically lost her mother when she was eight years old and was lovingly raised by Lester, his sister Lillian and Lester's second wife, Dorothy. As dad tells it, he first saw mom driving by a home renovation job site where he was working and he asked his buddy who she was. He said, that's Jane Cody, and she's a good girl. Back then, that was code for, don't get any ideas, pal. As the father of a teenage daughter, I'm trying to imagine a 21-year-old guy, my father's age at the time, showing up at my door to take out my 16-year-old Emma. I think my reaction would have been something like, hello, young man, come on in and let me show you my gun cabinet. I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall for some of those early conversations between Herb and his future father-in-law, Lester. My Aunt Lil, who was always suspicious of my 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 father, uh, and she helped raise my mom, um, was, was always suspicious. And those early years were probably just tough sledding for him. But he was persistent and he knew that Jane Cody was worth the effort, a true diamond. Lester was a self-made entrepreneur who who valued hard work, and he saw that in dad, so we eventually blessed the relationship. But what really probably sealed the deal for mom was being introduced to the extended Feeney family, where she developed a special relationship with her mother-in-law, my grandma, Chesita. She saw that incredible example of a devout woman of faith, dedicated to her large family and the joy of having that family all around her. Jane was welcomed with open arms by all her excellent Feeney in-laws and especially Nonno Giovanni and Nonna Cesiera, who we said goodbye to years ago in the same church where we said goodbye to mom last week. Tradition is good. In addition to being a dedicated housewife who raised six kids, Jane was also a registered nurse. Professional caregiving, fit perfectly with mom's gentle and caring nature. After graduating Newton Wellesley School of Nursing in 1957, she served in the operating room at Lemmister Hospital for three years until she had to focus on her own growing family. After spending 23 years raising her kids, she began a second career as the head clinic nurse for Digital Equipment Company in Westminster, Massachusetts. She held that job for 13 years, and she truly loved it. While her famous fudge was always in demand at family functions, she hit the big time at work where a thousand employees clamored for her confectionery delight. Like most moms, Jane loved the holidays, but I think Halloween was her favorite. As a young woman, she was always a sucker for a costume party, and she continued that tradition with her kids. The Phoenix children always had well thought out costumes that mom labored to put together. However, for years, I was mad at her for dressing me up one Halloween as Aunt Jemima. The abuse I suffered at school the following week was legendary. I know you can hear me in heaven, Mom. I forgive you. Mom's instinct for sharing and giving also wasn't limited to her family. For years, she served in the Catholic Women's Guild, organizing church fairs and teaching catechism. When we lived in our first family home on Sunny Hill Road, she convinced my dad to dedicate one of our three acres to a needy neighborhood family who were subsistence farmers. Those tomatoes never tasted so good. In her adopted home of Vero Beach, Florida, she was a dedicated member of the Military Mom's Prayer Group. Mom was a simple woman. She didn't want jewelry or flowers or any fuss made about her. Instead, she gave and gave, and gave, sacrificing her needs for others in need wherever she found them. She will be sorely missed, but we know that she is sending us all love and prayers from heaven. Memorial Day is really about perspective. Looking back to the past with reverence and gratitude to those who sacrificed themselves for others. Soldiers, police officers, and mothers. This willingness to put the needs of others before your own is a positive characteristic of most cultural and religious traditions around the world. And it's absolutely fundamental to the Christian faith I try to follow, albeit quite imperfectly. In fact, Christianity was the first and really only religion that puts personal sacrifice for others as the most important characteristic. Jesus preached that this was the only pathway to heaven And he provided the model for the work i still marvel how it nearly impossible this standard is for humans even to this day in many ways it's contrary to the rules of evolution themselves which dictate self-interest in the face of endless competition is how species survive adam smith then extrapolated this biological rule to economics as he described the workings of the invisible hand of millions of people working in their own self-interest to create efficient markets. Despite this reality, our ancestors discovered 200,000 years ago that self-interest had to be balanced with social cooperation in order for humans to survive and prosper, rather than tearing themselves to bits. The great insight of Jesus Christ and other prophets is that selflessness itself channels the divine. It's easier for us to just call it love, that that elusive but all-powerful force for good in the world. The Star Wars force versus the dark side. And make no mistake, there is a dark side. We can see it all around us with war again raging on the European continent for the first time in 80 years. We see it when teenage boys raised, devoid of nurturing mothers and fathers, devolve into the dark recesses of mental illness and massacre their classmates. The dark side drives the burgeoning rot in our social institutions that seem to make enemies of the very cultural characteristics that made America the most prosperous, diverse, generous, and tolerant nation in human history. Those that insist on defining America only by its shortcomings are ignorant and best and minions of the dark side at worst. Like the four seasons of nature endlessly repeating, human history traces the cycle of birth, maturity, old age and death. History is a cycle of spring, summer, fall and winter. My observation shows that it repeats every 80 to 100 years, the length of a long human life. When the older generation dies, So does the institutional memory of critical lessons learned. My mom and dad are part of that older generation. Forgetting history, we younger generations just repeat the mistakes of the past. Sadly, I believe we're at the beginning of another winter season. As a born and bred New Englander, I know that winters can be long and things get harder, like Billin. Mr. Bob Dylan, I fear there's a hard rain and a fall, and most people are not ready for it. And so it's kind of ironic that I'm writing this article away from my Florida home without my usual editing tool, so excuse the the poor sound quality. I'm just recording this from a borrowed Dell computer laptop with a built-in microphone at my sister's Massachusetts home. I'm in COVID quarantine with my 89-year-old father just days after my mother was claimed by the same disease. I'm sure this was a parting gift from her after we spent a week in the hospital intensive care unit telling her we loved her for several days. The COVID experience has been a two-year slice of the dark side on so many levels. But like so many facets of human existence, we're just going to learn to live with it without letting it define us. Humans generally, and Americans specifically, are essentially optimistic. We never give up hope because eventually winter gives way to spring, a time of rebirth, of hope, and love. This kind of optimism was who my mom was. So it was kind of fitting that my last words to her were sung while strumming a guitar at her gravesite a few days ago. I have a dream song to sing to help me cope with anything If you see the wonder of a fairy tale You can take the future even if you fail. I believe in angels Something good in everything I see I believe in angels when I know the time is right for me, I'll cross the stream, I have a dream. Well, I think I'm just going to close with a famous Bible passage that I think you've, many of you have heard over the years at funerals and weddings and, and such Christian celebrations. And I'm sure there are versions of this in every religious culture. This one comes from 1 Corinthians, chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Happy Memorial Day, everyone.